0: This speaker has been recorded at an online meeting of Addictive Eaters Anonymous. You can email us at contact at aeainfo.org. On the first Friday of the month, we hold a speakers meeting and our speaker tonight is Celine. Thank you, Louise. I'm Celine. I'm an Addictive Eater. Um, it's good to... Um, have the opportunity to do this. Some people have heard my story many times before, I hope it hasn't changed. (laughs) Um, mm, It's um, nice to think of, um, yeah, of those early days, you know, what it was like for me. And um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I believe I was born um, an addictive eater. I believe that I was born with addictive disease in every cell in my body. Um, because I was just different um, as a young child. I remember I'm thinking about when I, you know, now that I know what addiction is, um, when I when I was young, I was always um, probably quite a, quite sensitive but extra sensitive. I couldn't take the knocks, I couldn't take criticism. Um, always anxious, always afraid, Um, never knew what to do, never knew what if the rules if the rules were there like for example the rules at school unless I was reassured and told what they were all the time I didn't know what they were you know and I remember um, even when I started school not knowing um, whether I should go home or not so I just ran home and hid you know this is at lunchtime and then you know school people were out looking for me and they don't know where I am and I remember another time that happened um, that was probably several years later and I was sick and I didn't know how to deal with that at school so I just snuck off home and again teachers were out looking for me and my mum found me home in bed because I was too ashamed to say that I felt sick Um, and yeah I was always a little bit on the outside, I was never I never knew how to make a friend at school. I'd sort of be on the periphery of groups of friends and never really um, confident to be able to kind of, I don't know, make a connection there. Never liked, I never liked sport or anything like that. I loved schoolwork um, because then I could really um, be on my own with it. It was good. Um, When I was a young child, I was very obsessed with boys and um, from a really young age, I'm not sure how old, but I remember at primary school, hiding under the hedge, waiting for high school boys to bike past. And there was one particular one, um, him and his brother, I can't remember which one of those I liked. Um, but this tells you what, a, what I'm like as an addict, because I would hide under the, the bushes, wait, you know, not interested in any other school activities before school, just a boy biking past. Um, and if he didn't come past, I had a terrible day. If he came past, I had a day, a good day, because then I could fantasise the whole day. I don't know what you fantasise when you're a child, about a boy. Um, but, yeah, And I, so I look back and I just see that that's actually a pattern that continued on. Um, food was very important for me way back then. You know, um, I was um, hiding food and yeah just very fixated around food and always felt like we didn't have enough and um, as I got older um, my family situation was such a red herring for me it was the biggest red herring because both my parents are alcoholics and um, and so as I grew up, and there's lots of family violence lots of fighting dad hitting mum and stuff and yeah just lots of yucky things happening at home and as I grew up and wondered what was wrong with me it was a very easy thing to fixate on Um, and but you know now I know that actually even if I'd had the most perfect parents in the world I still would have been an addict um, because I was born that way Um, so yeah really really odd about food hiding it you don't need to hide it if you've got enough food in the house but I never felt like we had enough Soon as I was old enough to steal, I was stealing food. I was lying, compulsively lying, um, stealing other people's food in the house. Um, but yet I had this thing um, because I, I, I overate and underate. I, I have an anorexic mind as well. And we had we were Catholics, and we had you had to give up something for Lent, which I think was about six weeks. I always gave up lollies um, because my grandmother would give lollies, I always gave up lollies and she'd still give the lollies and I'd just hide them in my drawer and i just get them out and look at them um, and then put them back same with the easter eggs um, I remember Nana giving us a bag of chips and they were those big crinkle cut chips and I would take one out and eat one crinkle and put it back in the bag and save it for later um, and so days later my siblings um some of them who came have been here um, would be so angry at me because you know three days later, Celine's bringing out the bag of chips and eating a crinkle and putting it away. Um, and then there was other times when I just binged and um, you yeah, just binged. And then as soon as I could get hold of, um, I learned how to steal. Um, I stole from the neighbors milk money and milk tokens, and then I stole from shops. Um, then I was running away at night. Um, and, um, yeah, and stealing food and hiding it, getting food poisoning, all of that kind of thing. Um, And I was was afraid. I remember, you know, when I was running away, um, I was so terrified. What do you do, you know, when you're a young kid and you're out um, and there's nobody else around, you know, and I was obsessed with boys. I was terrified of boys. You know, I didn't know how to relate to boys. So I just I always remember this just deep unhappiness and loved animals. Um, that was kind of a um, yeah, it was kind of a thing for me where I could really feel good in a good way. And I and now I think I actually think that's a sense of a higher power actually with what I saw in animals. Um, but yeah, so you know, destined to. Um, come here because as soon as I could start to eat money uh, eat, earn money I was eating eating my money you know my first thing that I bought when I got a job was a, um, a set of recipe books and I would sit at home you know 15 year old girl reading recipe books I only made one recipe out of those books because they're really complicated and mum still talks about it now actually that recipe I made um, but I just love to read the books you know, and that's just so not normal. Um, and so, yeah, the disease then manifested in other things. And I didn't drink. Um, I didn't drink normally either. And I tried to get hold of drugs as well. Did a bit of that. Um, and when I got married very, very young, you know, it was all about obsession. You know, obsession with a guy, 10, 10 or 11 months, obsession with a guy, just a customer in the shop. I worked at, and he's my husband now, <laughs> um, but just that addictive behavior all the time, and um, I remember things uh, like having a baby, you know, I've got three sons, but when when I got married, when I got engaged, when I got married, um, when I had a child, I loved all those things, when I got pregnant, um, because it was attention on me, anything to get attention on me, and, and yet I was a social cripple, I didn't know how to behave unless I was using substances, Um, I couldn't work, I was um, pie in the sky dreams about uh, what I wanted to do, you know, all this, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna, 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 but I could never do really anything and, um, you know, so my husband supported, he he supported us, he had bought a house before I met him and Um, I never took took any responsibility um, for our family, the things. And, you know, during all that time, the disease is progressing in me. You know, the way I'm eating, you know, all of these rules around food. When I came here, I wasn't hugely overweight. I probably lost a few kilos, you know, going on a food plan. But um, it was this binging and then starving and the rules about food. And um, I was never... You know, I'm amazed, I remember um, a, a woman that was in the, our programme um, called Amanda, and she used to talk about cooking desserts and um, watching them in the oven, and I think she'd talk about burning her mouth. But I could never do that. i I'd just cook toast, you know. If it was going to be dessert toast, it was jam, and if it was going to be savoury, it was marmite, you know. It was just biscuits, toast, toast. Um, always buy the vegetables, a fridge full of vegetables, and then i chuck half, half of them out. You know, takeaways, spending money shopping, big problem. So, you know, when my husband met me. I had a credit card debt. That was one of the first things he did for me was paid off my credit card. Um, you know, just totally addictive in every way. And, um, yeah, and as well as that, um, which, you know, everybody here knows about is my anger. Um, You know, the restless, irritable and discontent. And um, just get up in the morning, you know, when I'm a mother, you know, when I came here, I think my youngest, uh, when I first came here, my youngest child, uh, my oldest child was about 12. He's 36 now. Um, And, you know, so I'm a mother of three children. And I just, I just hate life, you know, and um, just a very, very angry person, but also very loving in some ways too. And, um, you know, still have, but, you know, I remember my husband saying to me when I came here, he, he was actually quite angry um, about me coming here because he just, he just said, it's just another tangent that you're doing, you know. Um because I did all the courses, you know, I was trying to fix myself, I don't know, 15 years before I came here, counselling, courses, you know, therapy, um, you know, some tangent, and he was he was just so angry because it was going to take me out of the house all those nights a week, and um, anyway, after I'd been here for a while, and I, when I, when I got some insight, because I had no insight into any of this, um, when I got some insight, into it and I I just said I don't know why he stayed with me he'd been with me for 15 years at that point and and he just said because when it was good it was really great Um, but he said it was getting really not great and um yeah and so he put up with a lot of things that um I can remember so much anger and him having to try and fix the situation and um you know I broke windows, I put holes in walls. Um and this is you know me trying to be a loving mother and then I just lose it and do something and you know the family must have been just living on tender hooks, you know, all the time. My husband also kind of bought into that red herring thing of having two, you know, my two parents that were alcoholics and causing lots of troubles, but it was if he took them out of it you know, I was just a, I was just a train wreck, and um, I just couldn't, I just couldn't manage. And so, what happened for me was that I came into AA first, um, and my brother had said to me, "I think you all got the same thing as me." And I went to an addiction counselor, and I told him what I was like, and um, I never mentioned the food. I never once mentioned the food to anybody ever because I didn't actually even know. I didn't know that that could cause a mental problem like I had. Um, and he just said, you need to go to, he said, you need to go, come here. Um, and he and I remember going back to him about three weeks later and said, because I came here and I related and um, and I, I rang him up and I said, well, it's not working for me because now I, I really want to kill myself. You know, I've been wanting to kill myself for a long time. And he just said, you need to stop coming to people like me to fix you, Celine. I don't know any other solution for what you've got wrong with you apart from the 12 steps. Um, and at that point, I just felt like I had, I had no more energy to try. I just, I just honestly felt like I had nowhere else to go. Um, I didn't want to go to a mental hospital or a prison. Um, and, and And I think that was when I started wanting to come. Um, Still took another three years before the food went down because I thought I wasn't as bad as all of you. I had excuses about why I wasn't so bad and why I didn't have to do things quite the way that you do them. Um, And I remember saying to someone that's in the room tonight, um, you know, I was trying to justify something and she said, you don't really need to worry. She said, it'll either get worse or it'll get better. And that was a relief to me. Um, and it got, it got worse. <laughs> um, and when it got worse, I knew, I knew where the solution was. And I think um, one of the things, if I'm thinking for new people, um, is that for me, um, I, I initially came and then went away for a few months and then came back and stayed. And that was probably, that would have been about 24 years ago um, that I stayed. And I've been coming to meetings regularly since then um when I when it got to that point of surrender which was when I really didn't know and I just was I was prepared to do what everybody else did I was I was here in the room in the rooms and um I had a sponsor um, people knew me and I mean people could tell how well you are you don't know it yourself um, so I was here and Just thank thank God for that. I finally became honest with other people. one of my big red hearings was that I felt so different my whole life that I didn't want my friends that weren't here to think that I was different. I wanted them to. I was was always trying to make myself out to be normal or okay, even though I didn't feel like I was. Um, And when I just started outing myself to my friends and just said what I did. Um, and including the weighing and measuring in front of them, um, I just I just started to change, and I think that's um, where I started to have some freedom from the food. You know, when I was prepared to actually just be an addictive eater and do what I needed to do. Um, so for me, um, there's so many things I love about this program. I was an atheist when I came here. And yet I love a spiritual program. All of you have taught me that, the literature and all of you have taught me how to live a day at a time, a spiritual program. And um, for me, my most favorite thing when I hear people share is when people talk about God, because it's our own, it's our own conception of a higher power, personal to me. Um, but it, when people talk about God, I completely relate to that. And um you know so i i what i one of the things i really love is that you know because we've got quite new people in our fellowship is that i know that those new people can have as good a day as, as anyone here um no matter how long they've been sober it's just that don't pick up the first one get your head on the pillow and don't pick up the first one and come to a meeting and um you know the all of us have a daily program or a moment program, you know, living right in that moment is where I've been given my the peace and the freedom. Um, so for me, where the food is now, um, I, I do think um, there's, there's, because I'm an addictive eater, there's probably a degree of bondedness always, you know, to, we've got uh, fruit on our trees at the moment. Um, And for afternoon tea today, I had a very big pear. Um, And if there's a bowl of pears, I'm going to pick the big one. You know, so (laughs) that's how I know I'm bonded a wee bit. Um, But if the food just doesn't call me, I'm just not interested in it. Um, I was out at lunchtime today with my son and husband and my son's girlfriend, and they all had an Italian meal. Um, And I just just loved it. I love the atmosphere of that place. It's, It's our favorite place to go. I had my cup of tea, um, but I just I'm just not interested in the food. and That's a miracle. I would say that um, the things that I think we always have Achilles' heel, and my thing is fantasy still, the fantasy living in a fantasy world, or that thinking coming in. Um, and I've been taught here, um, you know, those spiritual tools of, you know, not listening to my thinking because the program. Uh, the problem centres in the mind. Um, so they're not listening to my thinking and just observing it. And if I just do that, it just goes away. And then I can get on with doing what I need to do. Um, so for me, about, I'd say that probably about three years ago, um, my sponsor, I'm so, so grateful for my sponsor, who knows me very well and said she felt that there was something that was missing in my recovery. And she said that she told me that for her, it was um, it was deepening her spiritual life, you know, enlarging, enlarging that spiritual life. And um, so I started doing meditation. Um, and every day, I think that was about three or four years ago. And I would say in the last year, probably about a year ago, when I had a really difficult situation at work, um, that became even more important for me um, and so there's a lot of stuff that I do around um, I don't like to call it mindfulness actually because I'm not thinking it's just being in the present and um, you know whenever that troublesome thinking comes in I just need to start observing my surroundings and and um, live in that present moment and it goes away. And that, that's been massive for me. I, I can even see the shift in myself and um, how I am with other people. Um, I would say that um, it's been a very long time since I have um, abused any, anybody. I still make mistakes with um, impatience, but I, I'm not, I'm just not, I just don't have anger I don't have any problems in traffic or road rage, or I just don't, I just don't, I just don't get angry like that. Um, and I'm given the tools here if things come up to annoy me. That um, things come up that do annoy me, you know, I have the tools here, which is the pause. You know, the pause and actually um, try and help someone else. Um, it's probably been the biggest thing that has helped me with my relationship with my husband. We've been together 40 years now. Um, and there's been lots of changes with us both recently he's retired um, and you know I've been taught here that you know if I've got a problem there I just need to look for a way to help him it's very very easy um, yeah so I, I the people that I really like being around um, are the people that um, see services important in their lives and I'm very lucky to have a service job I've just moved into a, a leadership role from working on the front line and the work that I do I'm now in charge of quite a lot of people um, and and I see myself as a servant and I, I love it, I love it because I can I can go to work and there's not one moment of my job that I, I think of Celine because I just can't do that and I just really love that, where I can just go around my workplace and see what I can do for other people. It's just, it's very good for um, an addict like me. Um, I have an hour's drive to my work and to meetings, actually, if we were having face-to-face meetings. Um, and for me, that's really important to put something on um, if my mind's busy to keep me focused on the present. Um, I, I would say as far as fear goes. Fear is always about future, you know, the, the past stuff that I think I've lost or the future that I think I should have. And again, for that, um, just keeping in the present is, is the answer for me. So um, the things that have really, really worked for me is meetings, is treatment, um, lots of meetings. If I'm having a difficult time, more meetings. Um, and my sponsor, hugely important for me but I see it's almost like a you know I know who my sponsor's sponsor is I I know who my the other people my sponsor sponsors most of them I think um and I just know who those people are here I mean they're all here and I just um just so so grateful so I think that's me I hope that's the same as the other times I've been asked to share i'm just very very grateful for what we're given here and um yeah out of um out of having out of being desperate because i was i was going to lose everything um I, i have a really really good life so i'll keep coming thanks